Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Holy cow. Okay, test time. Are you ready? Okay, I've been practicing all week. I'm going to mess up. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We are a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. We are compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways. Welcome all to worship. Being a community, it serves the greater community. Man, I knew. Uh, I was literally, I was like, when Scott asked me to preach, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can pull it off. What is it again? I, can't, I wasn't even worried about it, but uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Brent Baldwin. I used to work here, and now I live in Florida. Uh, that's, that's all you need to know. I'm so happy to be back. Um, I, I can officially say, I'm sorry that my home is Florida. Last week, I finally saw an alligator in the wild. <laughs> I've been, I know. I, Ashley is still from California. She didn't see it. I saw it, right? Um, I, I, we were on this fishing. I've been hiking and fishing, and it wasn't like in our backyard. Don't be like that. But uh, I've been doing all this stuff, like in the wild, you know, haven't seen it. And I'm looking, I'm, and I'm going out with people, and they're like, oh, guaranteed. We're passing by boats that are ga- big signs, gator tours, right? And they're all, oh, guaranteed you're going to see one. Guaranteed. Nope. No, and it got to the point where I, I, I hang out with this guy a lot, and I'm like, listen, just be honest with me. Is, it, is the gator thing like a fake story that you tell tourists and, like, the new guy? Oh, yeah, there's a Bigfoot and gators, and, you know, watch out. Don't go swimming, right? Yeah. No, there, there, there's one. I, can, I can't confirm there's one gator, but so happy to be here. So excited to be back. Um, it was, like, five feet. It wasn't huge, but, you know, like, it's a five-foot gator, so... I'm bigger than it. I think I could take him. I'm still in that beautiful, naive age of life where it's like, it's just a little guy, you know? He's a little swamp puppy, you know? He's just a little hangout. But uh, so excited to hang out. I got to be honest with you. um, uh, The last time I preached, you were there. So um, if I'm a little rusty, if I say something heretical, just laugh it off, move on. New guy, old guy will be here next week, okay? So this is prepared, okay? Uh, we are going to continue, though, in the book of John. We are going to skip a little bit. Um, Bryce Mackin did give us a sermon a little bit ago on the, the, the next section. Uh, if you want to know everything about it, he's right back there. You can ask him. He knows all of his three points and everything still he has in his back pocket um, that he can fill you in. But uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get started. Uh, dear Lord, Thank you for this day, more than like most days. <laughs> Thank you that uh, there's no, you know, there's no condemnation, shame, whatever, I don't know, but it's just celebration today, God, that it's okay to come home and celebrate and just, just uh, to come back and see all the growth that's happening. I thank you so much for RBC. Um, just being someone who's was very much in the thick of it, and, and kind of removed from it, I see how much growth that there has been. And it is so encouraging and challenging for myself, God. We give this uh, time to you. We lift this up, God. May this time be pleasing to you, God. And let, it, uh, let us learn more about you and your love for us, Father. I pray for all these things in your amazing and glorious name. Amen. Amen. So um, last week, we learned about an old feller. His name is Nicodemus. Do you remember this? Who was here? Anybody? All right, chapter 3. Uh, he was a religious, he is a religious leader, knows his stuff, right? M- asked maybe a potentially funny, potentially serious, potentially trying to get Jesus caught question. Not too sure. He asked, hey, 
I'm an old dude. Oh, how do I get rebirthed, right? You're talking about this rebirthing. You're talking about being born again, Jesus. What does that mean? And, and he says, well, you know, it's not like your first birth, right? Thank the Lord, right? It's, but this is now a birth in the spirit, right? You remember this? Yeah. And we found that oh so famous John chapter 316. We discovered it in the wild. Who was a little excited for that one? That was fun. Uh, so that was, that was chapter three. We're going to move on to chapter four. We're actually going to skip to 446 if you want to open up your Bibles, click on the app, whatever. But what's happening thus far in chapter four is we meet a, a woman. And uh, she's a Sumerian woman. Uh, if you're one of those Bible scholars, a Sumerian woman at the well. And you're like, oh, I got the, I know the, I know the story, right? There's a woman at the well. Jesus goes to the woman at the well, says, hey, can I have something to drink? Sound familiar? She looks at him, and, and because of a lot of cultures of the day, right, men didn't talk to women. Um, a lot of the time, husbands didn't even talk to their own wives in public, right? Some of you gentlemen are still doing that to this day, right? But, but, um, uh, but, uh, you know, so that was the custom that it was just men and women don't fraternize. And then beyond that, she was Sumerian. So not only was it a man talking to a woman, <laughs> how dare they, scandalous, right? It was a Jew talking to a Sumerian. And it was like, she responds to him by saying, sorry, the, old, the other guy doesn't have a beard like this. So, you know, um, uh, so it, it was a Jew talking to Sumerian. And beyond that, they, they don't talk. And it's usually Jews don't talk to the Sumerians, right? They, they, they got the history and they, they had some problems. Let's put it lightly, right? So she responds to Jesus. She says, who am I? Who are you? Why are you asking me for something to drink? And he responds by saying, if you knew who I, flipping the script a little bit, if you know who I am, you would be asking me for a drink. And the water that I give, if you drink it, you will never be thirsty again. Do we remember this story enough, right? And, and I could have, I understand that the recap was longer than if I just read it, but Scott told me not to read it, so I don't read it. So let's skip, let's go down to chapter uh, four, verse uh, 46 through 54, right? It says, so he came again to Cana in Galilee. What happened to Cana? Don't look, you cheaters. Turn the water into wine, right? Uh, everyone's famous Bible trick that they're like, oh, gee, you know, all that stuff, right? So the first miracle, Jesus turning water into wine, right? Where he had made the water into wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. I looked up, uh, because I kind of just assumed uh, what this meant, but I wanted to look it up. Uh, the official, uh, there's two ways to kind of figure out who the official is, because it's not very, it's very vague. Right? There's two possibilities that one not so possible, the other one more likely that everyone agrees upon. Right? Uh, one, the official could have been a Jewish official, someone who is not a Pharisee, not a Sadducee, but someone who's kind of in the courts of the Jewish law. So if you're going to sue someone, not over state matters, not over federal matters, but over like Bible stuff, you would go to this official and they would handle it. 
right? Not Rome, not Caesar, not all those people. You would go to this person, right? That's the less likely option, but it's an option. So it's kind of interesting to think about. The more, uh, the more obvious, the one that we've kind of understood and more churches preach about is the Roman centurion. These were the, the cops of the day, if I could just say that. They were the law bringers and all that stuff. What do we know about them from a very basic standpoint? Well, they're Roman. They're not Jewish, and that's about it, right? Uh, so this person is coming to Jesus, whose son is ill, whose child is ill, and that's all we know. Doesn't necessarily, wasn't brought up in the church, if we can make some connections here, but someone who's heard about him secondhand, third, you know, off way. So verse 47, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. There's a very uh, distinct word that we miss in the, I'll say in the English language, right? Because it's not the American language, it's in the English language. You see that you, that first you, says you will not, uh, uh, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Uh, as your representative Southerner of today, the word that should be there is y'all. It really should, because he's not talking about him. He's not pointing at Doug and saying, you see signs. He's saying, y'all, if y'all don't see signs, who's around Jesus right now? The crowd, Jews, disciples, People that have lived with Jesus. And he's saying, not just to this one guy who, by chance, probably shouldn't believe in Jesus because he hasn't given him the opportunity. He's looking at everybody, all of these people, his disciples, and saying, I'm going to speak some American, right? Uh, Unless y'all see signs and wonders, y'all won't believe. And why I like that so much is what... The official says, next, in a couple of verses, sorry. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed. Do you think Jesus knew? He's looking at this person who did not grow up in the church, who does not know him personally, who wasn't given all these, pers- all these chances to believe, all these opportunities, and he's looking at all the crowd who should get it. And they're saying, y'all need a sign. I'm going to show you what that looks like. What does it look like? The man, verse uh, f- uh, uh, 50, Jesus said to him, go, your son will leave. Live, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And he had 50 questions he didn't need to ask. And he didn't go around and ask, who's Jesus? Who's this guy? Am I supposed to follow too? What Bible classes should I take? What's my next verse of the Bible? What's my verse of the day that I should look up next? God. What's my promise of the 365 promises? What's my next one? He believed and he went on his way. Jesus spoke exactly what he needed to hear. No more, no less. Beautiful. Not someone in the church, someone outside the church. Verse 51. 
As he was going, his servants, the man, the, the, the official, his servants met him and told him, so he's not even home yet. He's not even back. His servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. The child that was about to die was recovering. So he asked him the hour when, uh, when he began to get better. And he said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. Folks, it, it wasn't just even a living situation. It wasn't, and, he, and the son barely scrapped by for the rest of his life. It wasn't that Jesus gave him another day or two or five or ten. The son was healed. Jesus spoke, and it happened. That second, beautiful. And he himself believed in all of his household. So not only did this man not in the church, not having all these opportunities, not being born in it, not understanding all of the Old Testament, not memorizing all the Old Testament, not approaching uh, the, the sermon that we left out, the Sumerian woman at the well, not even knowing that story, not like us, right? All those things. He just simply knew what God had done in his life, and he believed. First time. Gave Jesus a try. Jesus' impact of his life changed. Not only him, but all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus, uh, Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. I know why you're all excited to be here. You're all excited to have me because you're like, oh, dear, we're going to get out on time. He's going to do a short sermon. Let's get the reservations. Yes, right? It's a short one today, but it's a good one, right? Uh, if you take out your bulletin, you look at the top, it says finding God's healing, right? And, and I, healing's a big thing that I don't think we really necessarily talk about a whole lot in the church. We pray, we say we're going to pray, we're going to do stuff, but we don't necessarily talk about it in a real impactful way. And that's a shame because, like, I don't know, man, like... <laughs> Uh, is life hard for anybody else, right? Yeah, you're healed. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, exactly, right? Jesus has this amazing healing power. God has this amazing healing power. We don't necessarily talk about it, right? Um, we, we, we struggle all the time. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this place. Um, Denver? Denver? We're flying. Don't go there. It's cold, apparently. We're flying. We have this layover in Denver, right? And, and something crazy happens. Our layover is like 20 minutes. So we get out of the plane. We go to the bathroom. We go to the next plane. We're there, right? Like it says, right? And we fly from Orlando to Denver and Denver to San Jose. And if you're, if you're geography oriented, you're like, oh, nice, because the shorter, longer flight is first. So you get out of the way, and then there's a short flight, right? Uh, we get on the plane. The engines have frozen over. That's how cold, what did you guys do? Why? <laughs> You're cold here, why? And why did I do, no, we're not going to get into that, right? But, uh, so, so they take out this giant machine, it's crazy, got pictures, they're spraying antifreeze on this plane. I'm like, is, uh, this is normal, right? And I'm sitting there laughing because I'm sitting there and I'm wondering, uh, God, uh, I need to go preach and I'm in this situation where I, it is completely out of my control. I don't understand 
any of the things that could happen. I thought if engines froze, you get out of the plane because the engines froze. Let's try again later, right? It completely out of my control. That is exactly like our lives so much of the time. The problem is, is we pretend like we know what's going on. The orange stuff, they're, oh, I understand, oh, I know what's going on. This is all part of the plan. Don't worry. This giant metal box is totally fine. It's not going to fall out of the sky, right? We pretend like we have control of our lives. We don't. We pretend like we can heal ourselves. We can't. Who can? So how do we get that? I wanted to ask two important questions. And, and, and it's a beautiful section of scripture. Not this, this is obviously beautiful, but these past two weeks really show us um, about God's healing. The first question, and here, here's, here's uh, what I'm kind of getting at. Two questions that I want to answer today. Not answering all of them because I don't want to preach that long and you don't want to sit here long, all right? The how, or sorry, the who and the how. Because if you're not in the who, it doesn't really matter, right? If, if you're not part of Jesus' healing, it doesn't really matter about seeking it or doing anything like, like that, right? So the first question, who could get healed? Jesus wants to save, and this is your first fill-in, Jesus wants to save everyone going through everything in all stages of life. Jesus wants to save everyone going through everything in all stages of life. Last week, Nicodemus, think about this. Old guy, old man, growing up in the church, knows the Bible. Talking about the beginning of life. Old guy, growing up in the church, talking about new life. Sumerian woman, figuring out life in general struggling with husbands that she doesn't have, sin that she has. I don't know. How do you operate in life from a spiritual, financial, everything level? How do you operate in this middle stage of life? And now, in this chapter 4, we have a child who's dealing with death. At the beginning, old guy, rebirth, Middle woman, child dealing with death. I think we fit in somewhere in this spectrum there. If you are dealing with spiritual problems, when you deal with spiritual problems, Jesus can save. When you deal with financial sin, Problems when society has kicked you to the curb because you are a Sumerian, Jesus can heal. When you are a man, woman, whatever, and you're trying to get healing, Jesus wants to heal. Here's the follow up question Do we believe it? As much as I want to say yes, here's the problem is I've lived life enough to know that uh, I'm very short-sighted, right? As much as I want to say, Jesus is for everybody, Jesus is, oh, go out, all these things, right? Uh, I, I had this issue, issue, right? My wife and I moved to Florida. We have no idea what to do in, in, in life from a practical standpoint. We have no idea which church to go to and, 
and which communities to be a part of. You know, there's no rock Bible church and it's the same. You guys are there, but it's just slightly different versions of you, right? But it's, you know, and we'd be like, well, this is easy, right? You know, I'm sitting, and this is how desperate I am as a person who just doesn't want to have faith in Jesus, right? And this is me, right? Like, uh, I'm praying to make it as easy as possible. God, just make it easy. And I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray. And we're finally about to go to church and I say, God, just give me a sign. And I don't care. You get whatever. I, 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 I pray and I say, God, if this church plays holy water, it's a sign. <laughs> Ashley didn't know this. Right? <laughs> this is me telling her for the first time. I say, this is the sign. I'm going to call up Ryan Bajerno. I'll be like, hey, Ryan, look at it. They're doing the thing. Should I do that? I don't know if I'm allowed to do the dance. <laughs> right? I'm asking, remember Jesus, unless you have a sign, you won't believe. Something amazing has happened. Not one church has played holy water since I have gone. They're missing out on these. They're missing out. Where was I going with, I don't know. We're looking at all these churches. We finally find a church. We're finally getting in a community. And I say, man, they got all these small groups. And because Sundays, I don't know if you figured this out, Sundays is historically, and it doesn't matter what church you go to, it's pretty terrible to meet new people. Everyone has agendas. Everyone's doing stuff. If you're staff, you're like in a different world. You're not thinking about nothing, right? (laughs) Like you're just like, oh gosh, I got to do this, that, the other thing, right? So how you meet people in church, you serve and small groups serve and small groups so i'm sitting there i'm like i, I well I, I i don't know if you've tried this but don't go to a church and be like let me preach right like it doesn't work right it doesn't really work like that you know like you can't walk in the door and be like get off the stage they want me right like you know, it doesn't work like that so i'm like hey i want them to get to know me i want them to get to know ashley so we can't really serve right now we shouldn't serve right now let's just go and enjoy see and, and there was a temptation that i had looking at all these great small groups, and I'm saying, man, I could just go every single day. I could sit in these communities every single day. I did. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm going to this Bible study in the morning, this Bible study at night, this movie Bible study, and they're talking about Jesus in movies, and they're doing all this stuff. great stuff. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, but I don't have any non-Christian friends. There's a beautiful lesson that I learned very recently. Um, uh, there's these people in the Bible called Pharisees. You've heard of these people. Do you know what the literal translation for Pharisee is? McGrogan's. You do. Say it aloud. No? Okay. The literal translation of Pharisee is separate. One who is separate. Right? So you have these people groups who are literally separate. And my Bible mind kind of goes off and says, oh, that's very much like holy. What does holy mean? Set apart. I'm thinking separate, set apart, same thing. Very different things. Set apart is you're in a crowd, you're digging in deep, you're sitting with prostitutes, tax collectors, all the thing, and people from the outside looking at you say, wow, that individual is set apart. They're in the crowd, but they're set apart separate you ain't in the crowd 
You ain't there. If we believe that Jesus wants to save everyone, we got to go where everyone is. <laughs> and everyone ain't in this building right now. We have to get out in the community, do stuff, right? There's a great, great saying from my old church. You guys never met him, but be a community who serves the greater community. That we could be a little group where it's huddle time and let's get back. I got to figure this stuff out, guys. I need a small group. I need to do all this stuff. But the last thing, one of the last things that Jesus says is go, Get out of there and go and make disciples. You can't make disciples out of disciples. <laughs> you have to get out in the community. When I was uh, the executive pastor, I kind of had this general rule where I said, I don't, it sounds bad, but I, I don't want stuff happening every single night at church. Why? Because I would be there every single night at church. And that doesn't sound wrong, but what does that, what does it mean? You're not out. You say, oh, I went to Sunday morning. I'm set. And I did Monday night, and I did Thursday, and I did Saturday, and I did all these things. Go and make disciples, right? So, so John 3, what am I talking about with everyone? John 3, like Nicodemus. Uh, John 4, like the Samaritan woman of the well. John 4, again, the one we just went about the sun. And we get this beautiful verse that, that uh, when I was going through John, the youth freaked out when we hit it because they were not expecting it. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, the world that he gave his his. Only son, sorry, I memorized a different version. Uh, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Uh, you ever learn enough to be dangerous? You ever get good enough at cooking where you're like, I can deep fry a turkey. <laughs> I don't need instructions, right? You ever look up at YouTube about how to perform minor surgery on yourself? Yeah, I would do that. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Um, <laughs> You, you, you ever go to Bible school and ask really important questions uh, that may lead you to some very scary places? Or is that just me? And you go to Bible school because you're the hot new pastor at town and who you know everything because you're 6'10". You guys know, right? Uh, so, and you go to John 3.16 and you look at that verse and you say, well, what does the world really mean? can't mean the world, right? <laughs> of course, it's got to mean uh, the elected or, or, the, or something else. Because, because, And you ask all these very dangerous and very pointless questions. I took Greek, I took Hebrew. Uh, let me give you some insider knowledge. That word, you know what it should be translated to? The world. Everybody, are you in the world? Great. So for uh, so so for God so loved the world, everybody, y'all. Thank you. You bringing southern here, right? Uh, for for God loved y'all. Rock Bible, Judy. Yeah, yeah. Even even this new guy, whatever, right? That he gave his one and only son. That whoever y'all believes in him, y'all 
should not perish but have eternal life. Do you believe it? So that's the who. If you fit in the who, which you do, you fit in there. And so does everybody else. Here's the how. Because if you fit in there and you don't know how to get it, great, but it doesn't really help you. How do you get God's healing? Do everything in your power to get to Jesus. Do everything in your power to get to Jesus. If you can't, here's the good part. He will come to you. Ain't that beautiful? I'm thinking about the lady, the woman who spent her fortune, everything she had. She saw every doctor because she would not stop bleeding. She did everything in her power to get healing. She found Jesus and she was healed. Sometimes you have to do everything in your power to get to Jesus. You have to see doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor. And every single time, Christ is screaming at you to come to him. And this isn't an anti-medicine thing. This isn't an anti-whatever thing. I'm saying that if God is using said doctor, that going to said doctor is going to Jesus. If Jesus wants you to do go, fight, sacrifice, day after day after day. But if you can't, the dying boy, he didn't go. He couldn't go. And yes, his father went, but it's not the father that did anything because it wasn't him going back, taking this magic medicine with him and then going to his son in the nick of time, giving it to the son and that he, he wasn't even back yet. Jesus did it whether he was going back there or not. Do every possible thing in your power to get to Jesus. And if you can't, he will come to you. And that is one of the most beautiful things in the Bible. There's a philosopher. Um, his name is Rollo May. And I love this quote. They shared it at my church. My, the other guys, we're not going to talk about them, right? Uh, he shared, and I actually really like it because it's very true of me. Uh, it is, I, it, it is, I, let, sorry, I didn't have Diet Coke. Megan offered me, and I said no. I should have so, uh, it is an ironic habit of humans, beings, to run faster when they have lost their way. Let me say it again. It is an ironic habit of human beings to run faster when they have lost their way. Gentlemen, have you ever been lost in a car? Me neither, right? So, but I've heard, I've heard that um, if you ever move states and you get lost, um, you get mad, and the weirdest thing happens. Uh, he's, I just feel, I mean, like my friend, my friend just felt like, like if he just makes a really fast U-turn, he can get lost, and if he makes a right, and I, you go faster and faster and faster, and then finally, maybe if you're lucky, you'll find your way. Students. Uh, I used to play this game with my old church. You don't know him, but there's this guy named Gabe Barnjournal. You don't know him. He's in my old church. And we played this game. It's called Grog. It's, it's, it's basically hide-and-go-seek with one monster instead of the guy who's it, right? Gabe Barnjournal, he's a big guy. You don't know him. But um, uh, he's, like, scared all the time. And um, so what Gabe would do is he would stand right in the middle, and, and he would just kind of, like, look at all these doors 
we play it in here because we like destroying the church. And, oh, I'm Scott. I'm sorry. I told you I wouldn't move. I did it. So um, uh, he would just stand right here, and he would just look. By the way, whoever did cameras last week, you guys were, I felt bad. Scott was, yeah. Um, so he just kind of stands right here, Gabe, and he would just look at the doors, and he would just look at the doors, and he wouldn't play the game. He would just look at the doors, and then right when the monster came out, he would just run in a direction. Which way? I said already, a direction. So uh, if that meant like into the chairs, yep. If that meant into this staircase and almost break his toe, yep. If it meant into that door, yep. How true is that for us? When we, maybe not for the game, but when we are most desperate, we violently, passionately run, sprint in any direction we can find. Hopefully, sometimes, if we're lucky, that's to Christ. You hit rock bottom and you found Jesus. That doesn't happen always. We have a healing pastor at my church, the other guys that we won't talk about. He talks about this idea. It's actually a gift of desperation. That you've been given this beautiful opportunity to sprint sprint with everything in your power to Christ. You were broken and you found healing. And you were lost and you were found. What if we didn't what if it didn't take us rock bottom to passionately, violently, without regard of body or will or anything like that sprinted after christ every day like our lives depended on it that gift of desperation is can be a beautiful thing i'm going to end with this last passage of scripture it's psalms 132 it says out of the depths i cry to you O lord O lord hear my voice let your ears be attentive to the voice of, the pe- of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who, can st- who could stand? If, you're, if you have a tally, if you're keeping track of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman for the morning, more than a watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. RBC, O RBC, hope in the Lord, for the Lord there is steadfast love, with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem RBC from all iniquities. O Brent, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Brent from all his iniquities. Good luck with that one, but I believe it. We have a beautiful opportunity to take communion. Why do I call it beautiful? Well, it is. But how fitting, taking us broken people and reminding us, hey, I was there. Um, Yeah, yeah, life, yeah, it's hard. Been there, done that. (laughs) 
I can understand your pain. I can understand the temptations that you went through through sin. I can actually feel it because I've lived it. I'm not this off distant God who's, who's never experienced it. I'm not this often distant God who created and then just stood away. I'm in, in it with you. I feel it. I understand it. Emotions that you feel, I've felt those things. I'm not this often distant creator. I'm a sustainer as well. And that's what communion is all about. Um, communion is to remind us, along with that Christ suffered and died, to remind us that the story isn't over yet. The cross doesn't, unlike a lot of other places, the cross doesn't have Jesus' body on it anymore. Why? He ain't there anymore. (laughs) There's a part two. Yeah, the tomb was full. Was. It's empty. Yeah, Friday happened. Monday's coming. Things change. Things progress. So the band's going to come up. I'm going to pray. But as you take this communion in this last song, remember, take it, understanding what it's all about. Jesus breaking his body with the bread and saying, hey, this, I'm doing it for you. This is my body. So when you take it, remember it. Don't just remember me. Don't ju- just remember what I am to you. And this wine, grape juice, right? This is, this is my blood. Take it and remember me and what I am to you. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the beautiful gift of communion that we could come together and take it together and remember who you are and what you did for us, God. That your holy and redeeming powers puts you on the cross, but your power, your strength, your sovereignty took you off. That there is not just hope that there's pain and punishment in this life. There is hope for eternal life. Future, always. If there is anyone in need of healing, God, I pray that they abandon all else and they chase after you with everything they got. And they know that if they can't make it all the way, that's okay because you're already there, God. Pray for all these things in your good and holy name. Amen. Come up whenever you are ready to come up and take communion. I am absolutely going to lose my voice, and I'm so excited. (laughs) As y'all go, don't you dare be silent. Don't hide your light. Because there's a whole world. Don't miss out. Go with him.